your friend, the therapist. On this podcast, we're skipping the small talk and working to destigmatize mental health through intimate conversations with everyday people about their mental health journeys and how they stay well in a world that feels like it's falling apart. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, friends. Welcome to the podcast, Your Friend the Therapist. Today I have a special episode for you. I have three lovely humans joining me in a panel discussion to talk about how we can stay well during the holiday season. My first guest is someone who has been on the show before, and I will link her episode in the show notes in case you want to give that a listen. My first guest is Natalie Wong. She lives in Auckland, New Zealand with her partner and two children. Natalie is an ex-evangelical and ex-Mormon and is now a proud atheist. Through deconstructing from evangelicalism and Mormonism, she has learned to embrace mental health diagnoses and is figuring out how to balance mental well-being while juggling being neurodivergent and just life in general. I'm also welcoming first-time guest Mandy Nicole. Mandy is the founder of Inner Light Botanicals and host of the Just Earthly podcast, She gathers earth and energy conscious community and hosts online workshops, in-person outdoor adventure, and nature-based expressive arts retreats and trainings in nature that always have a deep focus on building conscious community, creating a safe space, and a foundation for going deeper in personal practice with hands-on practices to embody the work. Mandy is always following her curiosity and her heart, which is what led her to become a yin, vinyasa, and kundalini yoga teacher sound healer, crystal healer, Reiki master, etheric practitioner, and a mindfulness and Ayurveda practitioner. She also studies ecotherapy and has completed eco-sattva training with One Earth Sangha and yoga for trauma and addiction training. She integrates her teachings with nature by connecting our inner nature and outer nature on an emotional healing level to bridge the disconnection we feel living in our world today. Mandy also paints gentle morning moon skyscapes with intention and Reiki that reflect healing from feelings of being unseen, and shares her writing through Gentle Mornings, her weekly Sunday morning newsletter with thoughts, feels, reflections, and writings for a slow, simple, and cozy life. She is an advocate for self-healing and world healing and aims to do this through her work. And finally, I'm grateful to welcome Katie Kuntz-Wineland to the podcast. Katie is a queer, neurodivergent, post-denominational minister and the founder of The Belonging Table. As someone whose identities and spiritual truths don't fit neatly into boxes, Katie loves supporting others on their authentic, unboxed, and surprising journeys of self-acceptance, healing, liberation, and wholeness. Katie holds a BA in Biblical Studies and Peace and Conflict Studies from Bluffton University, a Master of Divinity from the Methodist Theological School in Ohio, and professional certifications in mediation and sexuality education. Katie is also the marketing coordinator at Bittersweet Farms, a nonprofit serving adults with autism. In her free time, she loves gardening, playing with her beagle, vegan cheesemaking, and visiting local coffee shops. She and her wife, Beth, live in Toledo, Ohio. In the show notes, I will link all of the places where you can connect with Natalie, Mandy, and Katie online. And now, on to the show. All right, Natalie, Mandy, and Katie, thank you so much for being here on Your Friend the Therapist. Today we are talking about what wellness might look like during the holiday season. Um, This is a topic that's very important to me as a therapist who works with people who tend to, at least in this hemisphere, um, it gets darker and people have a hard time with that. I know Natalie's in a in a different hemisphere time zone than us in New Zealand. Um, but this can be a really hard time of year just seasonally for folks. I also, um, the reason I wanted to do this episode is as someone who has grew up in a high control religion and has since left and deconstructed, this tends to be a really difficult time of year for me with the holidays and family and all of that. Um, So yeah, the first question I'm going to ask you all is around how the holidays feel for you, what holidays you celebrate, because certainly we talk about the holidays in this like November, December, but there's holidays all year long, but we're talking these like 
um, this season of holidays. Um, so for myself, although I no longer identify as Christian, I do still celebrate Christmas, celebrate Thanksgiving here in the States. Um, and, but have some mixed feelings. So I'm looking forward to the conversation and I would love to hear where each of you stand on just the holiday season in general, how you feel about it now, how you've felt in the past and in what holidays you celebrate. Natalie, what are you, you're in a different time zone. What holiday do you celebrate and how are the holidays for you? Yeah, so um, it's summer here for us, or nearly. Um, so the holiday season is a bit different because it's friggin' hot. Um, <laughs> I've, I've not experienced Christmas with it being snowy and short days and stuff like that so um this is quite interesting for me yeah I'd love to but um yeah so I we do celebrate Christmas but it looks very different to what it did even five years ago um just with with deconstructing and untangling um how we feel about it as a family from our old religious beliefs so yeah but is there a way that um, Christmas traditions look different for you now than they did maybe when you were more involved in um, religion? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up being in like all the Christmas productions and um, even my husband and I, it was a very cringeworthy one we did just after we got married where we were Mary and Joseph and it was, ugh. Um, And we always used to feel like we had to be at church on Christmas Day. So Christmas Day revolved a lot around that, whereas now it doesn't. So we, the traditions that we've really tried to develop as a, as a little whanau of four is, um, I'm a bit ridiculous and I put our Christmas tree up beginning of November. (laughs) Um, so my kids are currently out in the lounge putting some decorations on the tree um and we do Christmas baking and movies like November right the way through and Christmas Eve especially we have that really really firm tradition of no matter where we are we watch a Christmas movie whether it's at a movie theater or just at home um COVID kind of threw a spanner in the works of us being able to keep that one going but um yeah a a Christmas movie and Christmas lights and it's just the four of us um we've done many many years where we'd go with friends and family and um we're all neurodiverse so it just got to be a little much so so those are yeah I guess those traditions that we've tried to um make very firm this is what we do and um yeah, thank you for sharing that, Natalie. Um, I'd be curious, Katie, your perspective, a little different as a pastor. Um, what is What are the holidays like for you? Which ones do you celebrate? Yeah, so as like a queer, deconstructing, non-traditional pastor, I can't speak for all pastors, but uh, I have always really loved the holiday season. Um, I, we have a lot of family traditions around the holidays and I suspect that the holiday season will become more grief filled, um, after my parents are gone. And I'm just aware that like, they're such a part of this season for me and, um, just aware of folks who have lost, um, you know, folks in their immediate family that they're close to and how that changes the season. But for me, I have been really lucky and blessed so far that they're still with me and we can still enjoy these traditions together. So I have a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings about the holidays in terms of family. Uh, But I do have to admit that religiously speaking, uh, it's ebbed and flowed. So uh, my deconstruction really started in about 2014. And um, whether or not I have been serving a church and or in a church, um, during Advent, during Christmas, during Christmas Eve services, um, has really changed from year to year. And at this point, I've been solidly outside of church buildings for several years, um, doing ministry like beyond those spaces. So 
you know, I don't have a candlelight Christmas Eve anymore. And um, I don't know that there's grief in that. There's just change for me. So I've had to process that. It's not a negative change, but it has been a lot of change. Um, I also, after deconstructing my Christian faith, chose to incorporate Hanukkah into my uh, holiday season. My grandfather was Jewish, and um, that's just something that has been a really significant reconnection for me. Um, I just ordered my Hanukkah candles for this year, so I'm excited. And uh, that has just been a meaningful way for me to connect kind of with his spirit. I never knew him in this life, but... Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I celebrate and what it's been like for me. I really appreciate the, um, yeah, the way that you've been able to connect with family tradition, but also maintain some connection to religious tradition, because that I feel a lot of grief around the traditions that I've lost at the holidays or that I no longer participate in. And um, my partner, although both of us are are fairly deconstructed, um, is a church musician. And so at an Episcopal church, um, and so the holidays are still very like church centric in our home, which has been challenging at times. Um, yeah. So I, I imagine, you know, that will come up again in our conversation, but yeah, Mandy, I'm curious for you, how do you feel about the holiday season? What do you celebrate? Yeah, so I do celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I was raised very open in regards to religious tradition. Um, we, I didn't really go to church much. I would go with friends every now and then when I was young. Um, and as I get older, it's interesting because I do usually feel very overwhelmed around the holiday season. Um, and I actually start to feel more drawn, especially in the past couple of years towards celebrating even the winter solstice. Um, yes. I was going to ask about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I, I have a background in Ayurveda. So with that, I feel like the more I've done self-study and the more that I've practiced being in nature, that like those natural rhythms start to come into play. So I could talk forever about this, <laughs> but in a nutshell, um, Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga. Um, for those of you that do not know that, and it's, about aligning your life with the natural rhythms of nature. So fall going into winter and in fall, we're in Vata season. So it's interesting because that Vata season has qualities of air and space. So you may find yourself not very grounded as it is or trying to do things that um, make you want to be more grounded like think about I don't know I think of like pumpkin spice and like cinnamon being very grounding and just the scents that we might have on a candle um and wanting to kind of cuddle up under blankets and stay warm like there's that air and space qualities of vata is very um can be like cold too so um yeah so I just find myself kind of starting to draw in and just really tuning into my body and how that's connected to nature. Um, and I do, as I said, I do still celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's just that I am also starting to crave that, um, that more connection with the natural rhythms as well with winter coming. Yeah, I really resonate with that um, as I've been kind of exploring, um, well, Mandy and I know each other from our study in ecotherapy. So as I've been exploring what that looks like for me, I've been really drawn to the solstice and really curious about how to incorporate um, solstice practices, solstice celebration. Um, obviously they're very close. It's very close to Christmas. Um, but I, I'm 
I'd love to stay with this for just a little bit longer and I and hear what um, honoring or celebrating the solstice looks like for you, Mandy. Yeah, so that's starting to develop a little bit more for me over the last year or so. But um, I mean, for me, it's doing a lot of reflection and internal work personally, um, maybe lighting a candle, um, you know, that light in the darkest day of the the year. And I do a lot of journaling. Um, That's something that has been a very grounding practice for me. Um, And just reflection on just looking back of the year and goals for the next year, intentions. Um, And yeah, it's more of like that draw inward. So with the qualities of that darkness, it's like almost like closing your eyes and like that darkness is like going inward. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing some of those practices. And I know that it sounds like this is something you're still continuing to explore. Um, I'd love to stay with you, Mandy, and then I'll pass this question around to everyone else. But you had talked about how this time of year, the holidays, you know, we're in that Vata, airy season. And for those who don't, aren't familiar with Ayurveda, I actually just listened to your most recent podcast on Just Earthly and it goes, it's a nice like Ayurveda primer. So I recommend that to anyone. Um, But I'm curious if you have any recommendations or your own personal practices for how to manage that overwhelm or the the vata the airiness you mentioned some grounding but are there others that are useful so overall one thing that I would say that I'm really big on myself um and also just sharing with other people is the morning so having a morning or some sort of routine um like that morning routine in Ayurveda it's called Vinacharya and um then it kind of helps you align with the natural rhythms and cycles of nature. And for me, it's also that grounding quality. So when we talk about overwhelm, a lot of times we're in our minds. Um, There's a lot of air and space quality. So it is very Vata centered. So what we want to do is balance that. So if it's a, if you're you have a lot of air and space qualities, you want to balance that with something that kind of brings you to center. So a morning practice is great for that. It sets your entire foundation for the day. In Ayurveda practices, that can be um, a list of things. So anything from waking up before sunrise, which I will tell you, it makes a difference, even though it is so hard, especially as it gets colder. Um, But waking up before sunrise, even if it's a little bit, will just really help you feel so much better the entire day. Um, Evacuating, I'll say it nicely, (laughs) Um, going to the bathroom first thing in the morning, is something that is also it allows you to release what you're holding on to from the day before or prior so that's a major focus in gut health um and also just that releasing you don't want to carry around the things the stuff that you had in the past so um oil pulling dry brushing um just a meditation is always nice too so some sort of movement so those are some practices specifically that can make up an Ayurvedic morning yeah I love that and I there's something about routine and ritual like even as we're talking about the holidays in general that like ritual tradition is such an important part of it and I know from a um a mental health perspective uh, as a therapist, I often recommend my clients like get sunlight as soon as they can in the morning, first thing in the morning. Um, that can really help with the seasonal affective disorder that many of us, um, you know, can experience this time of year. Um, or perhaps, Natalie, for you, 
six months from now <laughs> and you're part of the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're getting lots of sunshine now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Natalie and Katie, I'm feel free to jump in as you please, but I'm curious if you have any practices, you know, whether they're your own personal practices or more like spiritual religious practices that sort of help you to stay grounded and manage what can be stressful in this time of year. So feel free to jump in as you like. I can jump in. Um, So two things come to mind for me and they're kind of polar opposites and it kind of tells you everything you need to know about my personality. So the first one is um, I'm a color-coded planner neurodivergent person. And um, just the practice of really intentionally scheduling, particularly in the holiday season when there's so much overwhelm and so much going on, um, is hugely important to me in managing my stress. Um, Being able to look ahead and make sure that if I need a whole day per week open, if I need a half day open, um, protecting that time and making sure that my social calendar is not overwhelming to the point that I'm going to burn out before I get to the end of the holiday season. Um, and also giving myself permission in my scheduling process to cancel things. That's a new learning curve for me since my uh, neurodivergent uh, self-awareness, which has been fairly recent for me. So allowing myself to cancel things, allowing myself to hold space for myself and not just fill space for others is huge. Um, And then the second thing is, again, polar opposite, other end of the spectrum. Um, I have this very silly, childlike, joyful side of me. And um, in the holiday season, I would encourage anyone who, like me, um, really enjoys the joy and the cheer and the festiveness of the holidays, if that feels good, like lean into that so hard and have fun with it because that is an antidote to stress and overwhelm as well. Um, as many times as possible, you will see me dressed as uh, Buddy the Elf during the holidays. That's like one of my things, one of my little special interests. And um, so I lean into that. I dress as an elf at work for a couple of days during the holidays. I mean, I just have fun with it. So, I mean, I think number one, structure your life in a way that's livable. And number two, like follow your joy, whatever that looks like during the holidays. Yeah. And yeah, I love that, like tapping into childlike playfulness. Um, Yeah, I think that's so special because a lot of, at least for me, a lot of my like really positive holiday memories are from being a kid, right? It's very like kids centered and we don't necessarily need to lose that as adults. Um, I want to ask another question of you, Katie, as someone who is in spiritual ministry. I know that you're not a pastor in the traditional sense, but this can be a really um, full time of year for people who are serving in in that way. And I'm curious if you face that given the like non-traditionalness of your um, of your ministry. And if you do, how do you manage that like being of service, being on the helper side this time of year? I think I'm lucky uh, being outside of the walls of the institutional church that all the pressures of Advent, for example, and all the expectations of, you know, the million social gatherings and all the extra services, like those are not weights on my shoulder. Um I think I have a different weight on my shoulder in the ministry that I do. And that is um, the weight of walking with folks for whom this season is really heavy because their deconstruction or their religious trauma or spiritual abuse um, are so present when whenever church ramps up uh, during the year, then those things tend to to ramp up as well for folks in their journeys, Um, especially, you know, clients or really anyone in my community who might be approaching their first holiday season since they stopped attending church regularly. And then suddenly it's not just do I go to church on Sunday or not, but like, 
oh my gosh, do I go to Christmas Eve worship? Do I, do I have an Advent wreath at home anymore or not? Right. Like if that was a practice, like it, it just feels like the questions are bigger. So, I mean, personally, I will trade all of the institutional church Advent stress for these deep, um, very important life conversations any day. I love unpacking those things with folks. And and when I am working with people in those regards, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer if, if a practice feels good and supportive and whole to you, embrace that practice. And if that practice feels oppressive and heavy and you need to set it down for now or forever, set it down. This is not a one size fits all game. Um, but but this time of year isn't one size fits all for for pastors either, and certainly not for me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I know that you have some offerings that I, I want to hear about more maybe towards the end, but to support queer folks, neurodivergent folks for whom this year, uh, this time of year might be especially challenging. Um, so actually, we're here. Why don't you share a little bit about that if, if that's okay? Yeah. Um, so I have an offering. I've kind of put some feelers out for this. I'm not sure if I'll have enough folks to run it. I'll just be honest. This is the reality of a post-institutional ministry. You just never know um, where the need is and um, you know where folks' calendars are either. That's honestly part of this. But um, I am looking for folks if they are interested to join me for something that I'm calling Neuroqueer holidays because I love fun words. Um, and it is like four or five sessions uh, pretty much every other week on Tuesday evenings, um, beginning just before Thanksgiving and then running through the new year. And um, it's basically going to be a bi-weekly check-in space for folks who are neurodivergent and or queer um, or exploring any of those identities. And we'll be focusing on um, kind of neuroqueer Queering family, spirituality, um, thinking about what sensory friendly and sensory rich holidays look like, um, really a lot of the things that we're talking about here today. So um, whether or not I gather enough people to run a whole group for that, um, if those are conversations that folks are interested in, I always have one-on-one um, -on -one offerings available. So um, regardless, find me and I'd love to connect. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I will definitely put information about that in the show notes. And this episode um, should go out before Thanksgiving. So hopefully the timing could work um, for people to still get involved awesome. in that. Yeah. Um, so we just talked, you know, a lot about how for folks deconstructing from religion, high control religion, this can be an especially hard time of year. I know, Natalie, you have deconstructed from both evangelicalism and Mormonism. Um, so I'd be curious, and I know you're, you're quite a ways out as I understand it now. I'm wondering, you know, what does come up for you this time of year? Is it hard or is it, is it okay now? And, and how do you take care of yourself and your family? Yeah. So, it's still hard. Um, it was 30-something years of being deeply enmeshed in, in religion. Um, it's honestly like the, the biggest thing for me has been boundaries around um, conversations with um, a lot of our family who are still very religious. Um, there are just some conversations I won't have about I'm not going to sit there and argue the Bible with you at Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's yes. important. I've, I've had to reclaim Christmas for myself um, because obviously in New Zealand we don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Like That's quite a foreign holiday to me, but I can understand that that would be quite stressful if you're not on good terms with family and, and things like that. But um, for me, we as a family, have to be quite careful how much time we spend with family. Um, and I've had to learn to say no a lot, um, especially with, um, like, 99% sure that I'm autistic. My 14-year-old is autistic. My 15-year-old has ADHD and my husband has ADHD. So we have to be quite 
mindful about um, what we commit to. So, um, yeah, so practices that, that we do, um, actually I'll just, I shouldn't speak for the rest of my family, um, the practices I do, um, because we are, like Christmas is in summertime here, um, I prioritise getting out into nature. Um, so, so lucky where we live that there's beaches and, and bushwalks and stuff, like literally a five-minute drive from home. Um, so as much as I can, like before we're going to a family gathering, I'll try my best to either work out or to get out into the forest or um, we nearly always will schedule going for a swim after we've been to something just to, I don't know, there's something about, I don't know, it just, it like quiets all my anxiousness and, and my thoughts and, um, yeah, really, really prioritize that. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, just that, that grounding, that forest bathing, that, um, yeah, but I also understand that's quite niche. Not everyone has Christmas and summer where we can do that. So, I mean, I don't know. For some people it could be, I don't know, do people like going for a walk in the snow? I'm not sure. <laughs> that sounds quite hard to me. Uh, Mandy, I wonder if you can jump in here and talk about what nature-based practices might look like for us in the in the colder climates. Yeah, so... It's interesting because I was not a fan of being outside in the cold until I took a trip to Iceland (laughs) in February and we went out, um, you know, we take a tour. I think we were out until like 1am looking, like watching the Northern Lights and it was the coldest I think I've ever been. Um, also waiting for a bus. I remember holding on to like a sign because it was so windy and it was just so cold. And it was interesting because I had so much fun there and I just loved it so much. The beauty of nature and, um, like just seeing the Northern lights for the first time. I remember being like, I don't even care how cold it is right now. I know it's freezing, but I don't care how cold it is because this is beautiful. Um, So when I came back to the United States, it changed my perspective of that. And um, I started to just put on the same winter coat I brought to Iceland and I went out and walked and hiked in it with it on. Um, So it's interesting because I feel like We have this natural inclination to want to stay inside when it's cold, but we really need to also get outside. Like that's the point of it is just get outside because you'll probably feel better. Um, Even if it's for a short while, just do the things you need to do to stay warm. Bring a little cup of coffee or tea and walk outside in your winter coat and mittens and winter or winter hats. So Um, yeah. And then there's also, I have started to snowboard. I'm learning. So there are winter activities that you can do outside too. You're more adventurous. So. Yeah. I love a winter walk. I mean, I grew up in Vermont, so, you know, the epitome of a white Christmas, right? But I love a walk in the snow. There's just nothing like the quiet that happens after it snows. Um, And if you have a dog, they kind of, at least mine, forces me to get out there. (laughs) She loves to be outside in the snow uh, with her little sweater on. So (laughs) that's always, I I actually, you know, I feel free to jump in on this too. This wasn't one of my um, pre-planned topics, but having a pet, this time of year, I find actually really helpful. I mean, I think pets are a great emotional support year round, but, um, you know, Natalie, you had mentioned like setting boundaries with family. I find that my dog helps me set boundaries. And by that, I mean, um, 
she's a great excuse to take a break from a situation. Like, oh, I've got to take Janie outside. I'm going to take Janie for a walk. It's like a really nice built-in, like, I need to give myself a second mm-hmm. um, without saying, like, hey, I this is too much for me. Um, I would love to talk more about boundaries and pets and nature-based practices. So it, it's all welcome. Um, but I'll jump back to you, Katie. I'm I'm curious how you work with folks, whether they're deconstructing or just, you know, other folks around setting boundaries or navigating difficult family relationships this time of year. Yeah, I think it's very hard to answer that question uh, universally because it really depends so much on each and every person and their situation. Um, And I actually think that there can be a kind of pressure, especially online, um, on Instagram, in uh, the queer and deconstruction communities, where there can be this binary thinking that says, like, you either have to completely cut your family, your church, your whatever, whatever the difficult space is, cut it completely out of your life. Um, Otherwise, people kind of feel like maybe my queerness or my deconstruction is not valid or authentic. Um, And I think that's one of the keys to the work that I do with um, the folks that I'm journeying with is really digging in with them to figure out what does authentic relationship or an authentic boundary or an authentic lack of relationship look like to those spaces. Um, it, it is not so simple as leaving forever for everyone. Um, it's not so simple as going no contact um, or, you know, the other side of that coin. It's not as simple as being there all the time like you used to be. Um, and really, none of these things are simple, but I, I should be saying it's not so black and white as any of those things. Um, and then, of course, whether someone chooses to maintain a relationship um, maybe put a relationship on pause or go no contact or some sort of boundary in between, then inevitably there are going to be um, spiritual questions, questions about just the care of one's body, mind, and spirit um, in the midst of that that we get to work through. But I mean, it really differs from person to person. And I think that's one of the most important things is, is honoring those differences because there's no one right way. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate um, sort of you pointing out the nuance Mm -hmm. of relationships. I think, yeah, social media really does often paint like a black and white, which really interesting when you're coming out of a high control religion, black and white thinking tends to be pretty dominant in those spaces. Um, And we kind of just like find another form of fundamentalism in how we set boundaries. And I, so I think, yeah, it's really important to recognize the nuance um, of what relationships can look like. There is no should in in any of this. It's going to look different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also love uh, to talk about, like how queer theory is all about breaking down binaries. So anytime, and this is a great antidote to fundamentalist kind of thinking as well, but um, you know, if the options are go to my parents for an entire week or never talk to my parents again, there's some, a a lot of queer space Mm -hmm. in between those things that, that we can work with. And um, this, you know, the same with our spiritual practices. And, and by the same token, I also want to say like loud and clear here on a podcast that there are times to break relationships. There are times to set a firm boundary Um, and, you know, like situations of, full-on abuse, get out of them, please, if it's possible for you to do that, right? Um, you know, there, there's one person in my life I'm completely no contact with. Um, it doesn't have to do with theology or my queerness, but um, all of us have to make those decisions at certain points. So I think 
honoring that as well. Like sometimes it is black and white, um, but a lot of times it's pretty gray and it's pretty queer. And like, I'm so here for that. Mm, I love that expansiveness of queerness, um, that it is so much more than sexuality. Um, And I know we could spend a whole other podcast talking about queer theory and and I would love to at some point in the future um yeah I and to speak to the the boundaries um something that I often talk with my therapy clients about is that there are times when rigid firm boundaries are necessary and that's often at the beginning of recovery processes as a self-protective measure Um, And perhaps over time, the boundaries can become more fluid and maybe they don't, Um, but boundaries can change as well. Um, Something that my own therapist and I have talked about, which I find really useful in thinking about boundaries is what sort of protective boundary might I need in order to facilitate connection if connection is the goal and if that feels safe. Um, so that's one that, that sticks with me and that I think about. And for me personally, this year, as um, Katie, you were talking about like either spending a week with my family or not seeing them at all, I have tried to find some queer space in the middle for myself in that for the first time ever in my life, I'm booking an Airbnb when I go see my parents for the holidays, that like I can be in connection and I don't have to sleep in my childhood bedroom. Um, and that feels great. <laughs> so just an example of what that that can look like. Um, shifting gears a, a bit, but not totally. Mandy, I know one of the hats you wear is as a Reiki master. Um, and whether it's from the Reiki lens, yoga, Ayurveda, or any of the other hats you wear, I'm curious what boundaries because I know that's really important um, within these practices. What do you have to say about boundaries and what they might look like this time of year or just in general? So, ooh, this is a good one. Um, as a Reiki master and just someone that is just attuned to energy, and I mean, I feel that we all are attuned to energy, Um because we feel it when we're around people. Um, I think for me personally, I've struggled with those energetic boundaries in the past. Um, And that's something where, I mean, with Reiki or even just with some visualization techniques, you can just either clear your also with crystals too. Um, I'm a crystal healer as well. So you can use these techniques to just set that energetic boundary, um, visualization of that doing Reiki on yourself. Um, just really self care. Um, I've been, trying to be more gentle with myself in terms of what my needs are when I do um, holiday, when I go to holiday events. Um, And sometimes I've noticed that sometimes I just need an evening prior to those events or even after to really just take a step back and take care of myself, whether that's reading a book and just having me time, quiet time. Um, Again, journaling. I'm a big journal person. Um, I, yeah, maybe a bath, just things that I need, like tuning in. What is it that I need? And I will say I have done this before and it has made a lot of people upset um, and families, um, even partners' families, because they were upset that I wasn't celebrating with them on Thanksgiving Eve and drinking when all I needed was some time by myself to transition between work life and the holidays 
knowing the next day I would be around a lot of people. So yeah, I mean, boundaries, I feel like is always a work in progress. Um, and just knowing that you can say no. My traditions in the past have, since I've grown up, there has been a lot of family drama. Um, so I feel like as I branched off into adulthood, um, every holiday since that, I would say my tw 20 years old has looked different. Um, and that could look like going to be around a partner's family and be a large family gathering to taking the space for me. There was one Christmas that it was just me and the pets on the couch and that's just what felt good to me. Um, and it was honestly the most nourishing Christmas I've ever had where I had the whole day and you don't have any obligations either um, because most things are closed <laughs> too. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, just honoring really what it is that you need in terms of self-care and being knowing from your being, your inner being that that's okay, whatever you choose to do. And it can look different to year to year. Yeah. I appreciate that because I, I think that, um, at least what I observe in my own family and in other people is that it's a tradition. So we have to do the same exact thing every year. And I think there can be some joy in that in some ways, but it also creating some space for what do I actually need now? Because we're never the same person day to day or year to year. Um, yeah, I, this Christmas Eve, I, because my partner's a church musician, so um, he does that like late service, 10 p.m. service. Um, I am going to the animal shelter and I am so excited. I, I work at an animal shelter um, and I'm excited to spend Christmas Eve with a bunch of like shelter pets that I'm just so looking forward to this like new experience of the holiday season. Um, yeah, I so when we think about traditions, um, you know, we've talked a lot about tapping into our like child likeness, but Natalie, you have actual real children. Um, <laughs> I know that they're, they're not young anymore. They're in their adolescent years or teenage years, but I'm curious how you kind of support them through this time of year. I know you mentioned they're neurodivergent, so that's a, a, a way that you support them. But yeah, what does that look like as a parent? Yeah. So um, both of my kids are also queer. Um, so uh, my 14-year-old is non oh, gender fluid. Sorry, it's an evolution at the moment. Um, so my 14-year-old's uh, gender fluid and my 15-year-old is non-binary and a lesbian. So for us, um, we actually had, so like last Christmas we had a, like, so my husband's entire extended family were together um, and we went to that and they were dead named, misgendered or gendered um, and kind of just at times ridiculed by different family members in front of the entire group. Um, and so this year um, we've obviously talked to them because they're old enough to have an opinion and a say in, in what we do. Um, and we said we're going away. We're not doing any family stuff, probably outside of going and seeing my mum. It's really important to us that we get to enjoy this time with our kids and not have them be anxious or um, waiting for the next person to use the wrong pronouns or the wrong names. Or um, like it, last Christmas was quite horrible for them and, and for us and um, – we just don't want a repeat of that. So we've, for now, it's it's actually a firm boundary for us. We're not, we're not doing that. And I feel a little bad because I'm such a people pleaser. Like I don't 
like feeling like I'm letting people down or or then they won't like me because we're not at things but this is more important than that um and I'm learning to deal with that through my own therapy sessions but um yeah and and with them being neurodiverse and I've I've kind of only really learned about my neurodiversity through my youngest being diagnosed because I just thought oh that's just a trait they've picked up from me um and it's not (laughs) it's an autistic trait um where we if we're going to things around the holidays one we don't commit to going to everything um because our families don't get along um like on one and my husband's sides they don't like each other um so there have been christmases where we've had eight different events to go to with family and we just aren't willing to do it anymore um, it's too much for our kids. Um, it's too much for us. We get that um, burnout afterwards where we need to spend a couple of days not interacting with anyone, and that's not nice. Um, so we also, if we are going to something, so like we, so by family things, I mean people that we are legally related to. Um, we have family that, um, there's like an auntie of mine who's an honorary auntie who I grew up with and she was a safe person for me and she absolutely adores our kids and loves on them. So we're willing to do a meal with her, but it's, um, information is key. So letting our kids know this is who's going to be there. Um, we have food allergies, so it's discussing even what food we will take that they can eat, um, how long we're going to be there. We do put a time limit on things. Um, and my husband and I, <laughs> um, because, again, I have that those people-pleasing tendencies, I'm really bad at getting up and leaving, even though I've said, hey, we're leaving at 2 o'clock and it gets to, like, 2.30 and my kids are like, mum, can we go? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like I don't want to. and it's not rude it's you know that's a me issue that I need to work on but um I'll text my husband and be like hey um we actually need to get going and he's he doesn't care what anyone thinks about him so he'll be like no we're leaving (laughs) let's let's go and um yeah so that's how we've really tried to support them through that is just routine information um not going to everything like it's okay for us to not turn up and it doesn't mean that we don't love people um it's just what we need to do for the the time in the season that we are currently in and um really wanting to not just accept our kids neurodiversity but to embrace it and I don't want them in, t- in a in a decade to look back on these teenage years and Christmas and be thinking how much they hated it. And I mean, they might, I can't control that, but um, yeah, I want them to be comfortable and to feel loved. Um, So going to things where they're going to be misgendered, I'm not willing to do it. And we have conversations with people beforehand of, Hey, remember, these are the names, these are the pronouns. And some people just aren't able or willing to do that. So I, I want to talk a little bit more um, about what it might look like to embrace neurodivergence and queerness this time of year. Because you just said that, Natalie, that we're not just like kind of like getting through this because despite the neurodivergence, but we're really embracing it. And um, so anyone who who that feels like a a topic you can speak to, um, what might it look like to embrace these parts of ourselves if if neurodivergence or queerness is an identity that you hold um, this time of year? Um, I hold both of those identities. Um, and I have to say, like, I haven't thought about this until right now, but the holiday season uh, is kind of like a neuro divergent anniversary time for me. Um, So one year ago, around Christmas, I had wrapped up my autism assessment. 
And um, I was waiting for the results. I mean, I knew the result inside of me, but I was waiting on the official result. And um, I remember like I asked for some sensory support items, just like some sensory toys, just like I asked for different things than I would have asked for two years ago, um, last Christmas. And um, just like kind of started embracing what it would look like to accommodate myself, like in really small ways, like I might have this item on my desk at work, right? It's, it's this little coming out process, um, kind of. And um, then I received my formal diagnosis in January. So um, it was it was a unique waiting period for me last year, the holiday season. And like this holiday season, um, I have come out in a variety of ways, both like in my personal and professional life and um, have also started supporting other folks in embracing self-love and self-care um, if they are neurodivergent, in addition to queer, in addition to deconstructing and maybe religiously traumatized, like we've got a lot going on. Um, but so often those things are layered upon one another. So it's, it feels very, very good to be able to be myself, um, in those spaces, especially at this time of year. Um, I also think that like from the queer lens, the holidays are, um, so difficult and so important all at once because the holidays tend to bring together um, this nexus of family and faith. And those tend to be, in my experience, usually um, the two most difficult things for queer people to process as they're coming out, maybe alongside like political oppression now. I hate that there's like a new one to throw in the mix, but I guess an old one that that's come back. Um, but just the way that the holidays um, really bring together family, faith, tradition, we've always done it that way. Um, do you bring your significant other to a family gathering or not, right? All of these big questions that are so significant, um, right alongside all of the questions that Natalie spoke to so beautifully about um, sensory accommodations and boundaries around time and what to expect and, and all of those things. So I want to co-sign all of that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a huge time for queer people, for neurodivergent people. Um, and it's both heavy and challenging and a really great opportunity to rise to the occasion and take care of ourselves. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for sharing about your anniversary of a diagnosis. I, I want to say as a therapist that um, formal diagnoses can be incredibly useful in a lot of ways. And if you don't get one, that doesn't mean you're any less neurodivergent, any less ADHD, any less autistic. If If that is a useful identity and helps you understand who you are, you can take it. Do not let institutions tell you that you need to spend thousands of dollars, which it sometimes can cost in order to get a label that only you can truly know. So just a little, a little plug there. Natalie, I know that you had wanted to chime in there too at the beginning when I asked the question around how to embrace neurodivergence and queerness this time of year. So I'm curious what, what your thoughts are. Yeah. So for us, um, because my kids are very loud and proud and out and, um, which is awesome, but at the same time, we do have to sometimes be careful where, um, where we go, like New Zealand's climate at the moment isn't great. We've just had our election and a very conservative government has been voted in, unfortunately. So, um, there are just some events that especially around Christmas with large crowds and stuff where unfortunately I have to say we have to weigh up how safe are we um either with our kids being queer or my husband being a person of color or um yeah uh just things like that things like um yeah no I I think that's a great point though that safety has to always be considered emotional safety but also physical safety 
Yeah. So, like, within that for us as well, like, we want our kids to emotionally feel safe around people. So whether that's in a big crowd or um, even just with family, you know, we want people in our home at this time of year who love our kids for who they are, not despite of who they are. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, and and the same goes with them being neurodiverse. Unfortunately, we've got family who have, you know, poo-pooed it and been like, that doesn't matter. It's it's not really a thing. Um, and I'm like, it's actually massive. <laughs> and it makes a really big difference to have this knowledge and understanding and, and ways to support them. And, um, yeah, so probably just, I guess what I said before, just we're mindful who we are around. Um and I mean that that goes for mine and my husband's mental well being as well. We um because it, it, it can get draining as a parent. Um constantly uh reminding other people of our kids' pronouns and I'm happy and privileged to be able to do it. But when I'm already in a bit of fight or flight mode around some family, mm. it um yeah, we just gotta pick and choose. Um, what we do because um, you know that whole child like enjoyment of Christmas I I really want that for my kids and um, yeah just being mindful of making that a priority making their all of well all of us not just theirs um, mm. yeah just our me- our emotional and mental well-being um, actually needs to come before seeing other people a lot of the time or going to different events or um so things like we were driving through the city the other night and we were reminded that there will be Christmas lights soon and our youngest was asking well can we go to it but it's we always have it of we'll plan to get out of the car and go walk around but if we get there and it's too much for somebody like whether it's because there's just too many crowds too much noise then we'll just we'll drive through and that's amazing and we'll enjoy it and um yeah just being willing as much as we need routine and and my little whanau in our home um we also need to be a bit flexible with that with the neurodiversity of of yeah just just at the same time like we do go over different scenarios of well we're gonna try and go and do this if it doesn't work out if you're not comfortable please let us know um things like our kids will wear noise cancelling headphones even to family things um where we just have to explain to other family they're not being rude they're not just ignoring you they're needing to um regulate themselves again and and yeah just supporting them in that way yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing that i i um i just really appreciate how you're showing up as a parent for your kids and yourself, right? Like you're very clear that, yes, my kids are important, but I'm important too in my needs. And and I think that that is sort of one of the golden threads I've observed in this conversation is that wellness around this time of year is going to look different for every person. It's going to look different every day and tuning into what we need in any given moment knowing that that could be different than last year um, is really key. So just one final sort of round robin question for you all as we wrap this up is, is there anything that you, if people get one thing out of our conversation today, something you've said already or something you haven't yet shared, what would you want people to take away from today? I think that, I would love for folks to know that this holiday season, whether or not anyone tells you so, whether or not anyone shows you so, um, that you are loved and you are worthy of love, um, even if that love is only coming from yourself. You are worthy of it um, and you are worthy of so much love uh, from everyone, regardless of what you might experience this holiday season. Yeah, so I just really want to reiterate that it's good and healthy to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. However that might look for you, it's okay to say no. You don't have to go to everything. Um, and to take that time to look after yourself. 
because it can be a ridiculously hard season for some people and just to do something that you enjoy. And I would say to take care of yourself, just really be gentle with yourself throughout the entire holiday season and just know to tune in to you and your, your body because you already know what it is that you need. Lovely. Thank you all so much for being here. I've gotten so much out of this conversation. Um, I will link in the show notes all the ways that people can connect with you, follow your work on social media or in other places, offerings that you might have coming up. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you all for taking time to, to have this conversation. This has been another conversation with your friend, the therapist. To follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at your friend, the therapist pod, and you can follow my work as a trauma therapist and yoga teacher on Instagram at Carrie Fillion Psychotherapy or my website, carriefillion.com. Take care and stay well.